There's something a bit magical when an everyday thing gets recontextualized into something else entirely. I'm Brad Rose. Welcome to the latest edition of the Seltzer Salon by Foxy Digitalis. I am thrilled that today's guest is the one and only Zena Parkins. Uh, we talked about her new project, Lace. Well, it's not really a new project. It's an ongoing project, but the the vinyl edition box set just came out at the end of June, and it's one hell of an undertaking, and it's an it's just an incredible project. I, everything, the more I learn about it, the more excited about it I am. And so uh, getting to talk to her about it was, honestly, I've, it was a privilege. And Lace is out now on uh, Chaikin Records, which it's a LP with, it's a box set. It's got like these cards and all the, the visual scores and... Uh, there's an interview with her. There's a lot of text around it. It's just, it's an amazing thing. And I can't recommend it enough. I'm going to just let her do the talking though. I guess the sort of obvious place to start is how did you, where did your interest in lace like begin? How did it, how did not even necessarily as a, you know, tool for composition, but just in general, or maybe they were related. And so it, it All right. in hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this might be a shocker, but I actually wasn't really interested in lace. Okay. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> well, that, yeah. <laughs> um, in general, I think before this project started, I would have considered lace like, too ornate. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I, I gravitate toward abstraction and more and minimalism or landscape yeah. or, you know, whatever lace is. It wasn't necessarily the thing that I was really drawn to or attracted to. So that is super interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. <laughs> however, however, I was very interested in textiles. Okay. And um, when I, in my early days in New York, I had a roommate, Liz Prince, who is a costume designer. And I had sewn when I, you know, like sewn stuff nothing significant. So I knew mm -hmm. how to use a sewing machine when I was in high school and junior high school, whatever. Um, but living with a, like a costume designer was, <laughs> and having one of those old fashioned little black singer sewing machines oh, yeah. out on the table with tons of stuff around. And then that plus, um, Living in a neighborhood, the Lower East Side, that at the time in the late 80s had still a lot of uh, fabric stores and what they called notion stores where you could buy buttons and zippers mm -hmm. and fasteners and trimmings. So all that was very much kind of part of the neighborhood. Right. And and there I was living with this amazing creative person who was 
like making three-dimensional objects out of fabric. So I then became interested in, um, I was also, I was interested in fashion, but obviously completely unable to afford any come to garçon thing or whatever. (laughs) So I had to make my own. And so I did those first years make most of what I wore and especially stuff that I might wear on, you know, when I was performing, but I really enjoyed it. I just loved going and like going to the fabric stores and touching fabrics in those little narrow aisles that were all musty, you know, they were all really old and with like crooked wooden floors and, crotchety weird people you know like you could barely see hidden behind piles of stuff so so i was i was definitely into um making things out of fabric and you know in in that in those days making clothes you know it's it's very practical and um so that's what i was interested in that would be the connection that then eventually led to a situation where um, I needed to make a score Mm -hmm. and I was a bit flummoxed because (laughs) when I, when I did start composing, which was not until I arrived in New York, I, I mean, I arrived in New York with a lot of skills, but not with a tremendous amount of experience in terms of, being an improviser. And certainly I was, I hadn't really, I'd composed very, very little. So I mm-hmm. can't say I was exactly an experienced composer, but eventually, you know, I, I immediately when I landed in New York, I got a lot. I just seemed to have landed at a moment that what I was good at was needed by a lot of different people. And so I immediately got into a million different projects really incredible projects like with Fred Frith and John Soren and Butch Morris and Pauline Oliveros. You know, it was basically my version of going to grad school, you know, you know, (laughs) like, like being able to work with these incredible people. And I was working also with some peers like Billy Swindler, who had come from Bard where I went, who was this amazing accordion player and we had an accordion duo and did tons of gigs and places like danceateria and the pyramid club like really really different kinds of venues and then my friend chris cochran who's a guitarist we we play you know i really improvised a lot with him in those early days and just in our apartments and did gigs with him and you know made bands with him so it was a very um exciting moment but at one point, and then I also, the other component of all this is that I also started working with choreographers or and or dancers that were improvising. Mm-hmm. So I also became very immersed, which would be like a 30-year love affair of working, <laughs> working with movers and choreographers and, and dancing improvisers, movement artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow this all fits together because in 2008, I was invited by the Merce Cunningham studio to, they commissioned me and three other um, composers that had worked a lot with dance. That would be George Lewis, John King, and fast forward. So the three of us were invited to share a concert 
mm-hmm. in which we would each write a piece that we would do for for the group. So we would each write a quartet. Okay. And we had very little time to rehearse it. And when <laughs> I did first start writing music, that was more like my quote unquote serious not my band music, but the stuff that was more like composition, quote unquote mm-hmm. composition. I ended up writing stuff that was basically impossible to play. <laughs> okay. And as a result, and I had a band that did a lot of these early pieces called the Gangster Band, which um, consisted of my sisters, Sarah and Maggie, who are incredibly classically trained mm-hmm. string players, violin and cello, who I sort of trained to play new music and improvise. And then Mark Stewart, who eventually um, became one of the core members of the Bang on the Can All-Stars, mm-hmm. guitar, guitarist and cellist and saxophone player. And Jim Pugliese, who is an incredible percussionist. So that was a band, it was quartet. And I would make pieces for them. And every performance was a frustration because we just couldn't get it. We just couldn't. Right. Yeah, it, they were it, somehow the pieces would never. And of course, I it was real because I was insecure about my position as a composer. I was all, always frustrated instead of right. embracing the situation, which um, I could have easily done. I, I just it was always real. And so when I was offered this commission, I was like, "What am I going to do? I can't." write a piece that's going to be so hard that we can't play, you know, that we're going to have like each of us will be have a couple hours to rehearse something. So I and I don't know how I came up with this idea, but I I knew I needed something that would express a compositional Mm -hmm. place to be that we could figure out together and learn together and do a version of. And I had pieces of lace, you know, I had lots of stuff related Mm to, um, and I had lace in my, you know, piles of fabrics and trimmings. And I was, I picked five pieces that were very um, geometric, not, not um, botanical. Right. right? Uh So that were really about like circles and triangles and, and express or loop loops um, and I put them on a page so that on this blackboard and, and every performer literally got a board with real lace pieces on it, you oh, know, that's great. Like, oh, I love it. and, um, and then I, um, so it's one, two, three, four, five, five pieces that was called mm-hmm. lace. And then I, um, used, uh, I came up with a set of what I called conditions in which to read or, or like ways to look at those, each of the pieces, um, both as individual pieces, but also it was really important for me that, that they were going to be read, quote unquote, read um, mm-hmm. um, in relationship to each other. So one being less dense, one being more dense, one being more, you know, some being more complicated, some being very, very simple. And that those relationships were also very important in how we decided to do whatever we were going to do with it. So that that was the beginning of the project. Wow. And that was in 2008. And we did rehearse. And, of course, I was terrified. But <laughs> 
by golly, <laughs> um, that night we did the performance and there was, there was something to it. There were, you know, yeah. it, it's just like when, when Tom Cora and I decided to make the electric harp, it was like, you know, you, you just get a flash, this idea of trying something that doesn't exist and you go, okay, yeah, we're going to get some one by ones and bang them together in the shape of a triangle. And I'm going <laughs> to go run, run over to the, um, you know, secondhand music shop and buy some strings and use humbucker pickups. And we're going to just like throw it together yeah. and see what happens. So as primitive as these initial iterations of these kind of flashes of an idea are, you know, right away. Right. If it's going to, if it's worth like moving forward or right. let's say, okay, let's say you often know I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, sure. I'll, I'll, soften, I'll soften that a little <laughs> bit for you. You often know right away that this is an idea that has some like guts to it that's worth pursuing. And so I'm guessing that this is the lace one piece that's on the And that set. became, you know, I didn't know or, it was lace one, but right. yeah, that <laughs> and then and then I had an opportunity. I started using it like if I was asked to do a workshop for a festival in Europe, I started using that piece and mm -hmm. with larger groups and, and like just sort of understanding what it was, you know? And then yeah. the, the version that's on the record is from a live show at The Stone in 2019 with Tilt Brass, Chris McIntyre's mm -hmm. brass, brass Sextet, and then James Fay on Analog Electronics and my sister Maggie on cello. And I was conducting, that was the first time, I would say a, a conducting with a light touch, but just ever so slightly indicating volumes and, um, and beginnings and endings. But whatever that kind of, that, that was really a turning point. Like that, that inserting myself in that way instead of just leaving it to the performers, mm -hmm. somehow like it snapped everything into place. Yeah. In this weird way. And everything became clear. And I was like, okay, I get it. That's yeah. And that was like 10 years later from the right. initial version of it. It's yeah. I, it, I never had thought, I never had thought of like lace as this thing, you know, this graphic score kind of thing. But then when this, when I first saw this come through, like in my inbox or whatever it was, and I don't know, it just, it made a lot of sense right away to me. Um, yeah, and, and let me tell you something. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It is, yeah, and now and, and you're ruined for life, right? Yeah, now well, and it's. I, I started thinking about so. I have this very sort of vi kind of visceral reaction when I think of lace. I think of my grandmother, and I think of like that was like my grandmother. She was. She was born in Canada in the twenties and grew up. She was one of 12 kids, grew up on a farm was, you know, and lace, like these lace doilies were this yeah. were the one fancy thing yeah. they had. And so anytime we went over to her house when we were kids, like there was a lace doily on the table with like, usually like a vase of flowers on it. Right. Classic. And, yeah, exactly. And, but my, my, the memory I had is the, like texture of the touching the sort of three-dimensional aspect of lace this 
you know, you run your hand over it and it's not flat. It's got, yeah, it's got, yeah, it's got hills and valleys. Yes. (laughs) And that, and so seeing this and then, and then listening to it, it was just, I don't, my my mind was blown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I, I think that's such a, I think it's such a cool concept. Um, I'm curious, you talked to this a little bit about this, but how, like, how do you choose which patterns you use for the, the basis of these pieces? I know you said you focus on like geometric stuff, but is there some, is it, is there anything specific or is it just kind of a feeling or what? Well, it is um, all of that. <laughs> um, all those contradictory things. Um, so for that first one, I think I just picked what I had lying mm-hmm. around and that and I like the way they talk to each other like as a group you know those first five pieces mm-hmm. and I like that like I said earlier some were extremely simple and spare and then it got a little bit more complicated and and um, then some of them are quite intricate mm-hmm. but none of them are are of flowers or, or figurative in any way so it was mm-hmm. always really important that I lean into into patterns that were really about 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 geometric shapes or or expressing yeah. expressing that that end of 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 what lace can be so mm-hmm. and then then as the project continued it it took on different iterations cuz I don't know if you saw the second, what became the second movement, action yeah. cards. Yes. And that's when I was like, why do I have to just use lace? Like as it is, I can start manipulating it and just use it as material. Yeah. So that's when I started like making shapes, like um, piling it up or like sort of manipulating it. Like it was just, um, you know, just some kind of fabric that I could do anything to and make a different kinds of shape on, on a card. So those action cards, they're like 24 cards. And um, those are all, are much more, I mean, there are a few that are just like a piece laid out, but then I really started experimenting with a different way to think about those lace pieces. Yeah. I, I really like the cards. I was, uh, when I was kind of preparing for this, I just kept, I just can't stop looking at them and just yeah, they're and, pretty beautiful. I yeah, have to say. and and then it's and it's so interesting, and I love that the that the box set like comes with these images. I I, I haven't seen the physical thing, but I have the PDF of it. Right, and, right. And looking at them while listening to the piece, it's it's just it's really it's such a I don't know. It just opens up the experience. Yeah, and, yeah. It's it's. It's good, I have to say. I mean, it's been years in the making, this project, and has met obstacles at every step of the way. I can but, imagine. <laughs> you can't imagine, okay, actually. Okay, I can't. <laughs> but um, but it, there is something extremely satisfying about the project. I have, there is something very, um, and, the, and just how, like on a couple fronts, like how one movement, leads me to the next Mm -hmm. and like okay what if I try this now or what if I do this like the project after the action cards and the action cards are intended to be short pieces Mm -hmm. you know they're they're like impressions or like I always like to think of them like if like if you 
press, like uh, like a hand pressing into your arm, like you get an impression of a touch. Mm -hmm. So I think about those action cards, like a, a touch of sound that is iterating something that's about something that's on the card, in 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 like in a, like sonifying it in some way, or some impression of the energy of it or the texture of it. And then the next one that followed was um, something that was really much more specific. Um, which was the Shetland Lace movement, which is the, there's that poster. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and in that situation, I heard about, do you know where the Shetland Islands are? They are I, in the middle of nowhere, North Atlantic. Yeah, it's a tiny island. It's a tiny island. And on that island, you know, the sheep are famous. Gonna, Shetland. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so they make, they knit their lace. They don't oh. use bobbins. And they, and you know, of course it's in, it's so far North that in the winter, it's like mostly dark. And right. in the summer, it's mostly light. It's light yeah. So they collect the hairs off the sheep, which is so fine. They can like pick it off the back of the neck or something and you know, like crazy like that. Oh my gosh. And they, they actually make the threads from the hairs during the winter where they don't really have to see anything, you know, it's just touch that they're making the, the hair, the hairs get turned into thread. And then in the summer when they need to have like the full vision and light and in which they do, that's when they, they knit, they have these patterns, which um, I use those patterns as scores. And then I put together a band with Ryan Ross Smith and Ryan Sawyer and we, oh. we, like did a deep dive into those patterns and made pieces. And it was a project called Green Dome that um, thinking in stitches that I put out just on my own. I don't think I've heard that. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll okay. send it to you. Okay. I was, cause I was gonna, I was wondering if, cause I was, I was looking at the poster and I was wondering like, yeah, if there was a recording of some of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There so. is, yeah. I'll send you those. Cause those are a completely different thing. I, yeah. It would be really interesting for you to hear. Should I just send to the, do I have your email address? Yeah. The, yeah. Well, I, cause, yeah the, wherever yeah. I sent that link from. Oh that yeah. Okay. From, I'll yeah. send, I'll send you, um, I'll send you those. Cause that's also, that was the first time I was like, okay, now I want to do a deep dot. I want to count the stitches. I want to understand what she, what each stitch is and does. And then we're, we're going to respond to that when we make the yeah. pieces. Yeah. Just looking at, I mean, it, it all looks very, I mean, it's, it's the lace is obviously intricate, but this is feels intricate in a very, in a kind of different way. But, yeah. um, and then after that one, um, I worked with a friend who had known as, um, a scene designer for, dance pieces that I'd worked with. She's French, Nadia Loro. And uh -huh, we then good. collaborated on a project called Stitch a Mythia. Uh -huh. And that, in that, um, she made what she calls an anamorphic carpet, which is a carpet that looks as if it's floating off the ground. And I'll send you also something so you can just see what I'm talking about. But okay. it's, uh, and then we had um, three dancers and, you know, we picked the pieces that the carpet, the carpet contained these patterns that we picked together. And then I, it was a solo for me playing on the carpet and then oh, wow. having these movers around us. And it's, 
So it was like yet a different way to think about, um, you know, it, each, it's really interesting. It, I keep on saying, I'm done, I'm done. And then <laughs> like, then something else really grabs me. Like right now, now I'm making max patches and I'm using those same patterns that were from Stitchamithia and making max patches for a solo project based on those patterns. Well, that's kind of the thing that, yeah, it seems like the possibilities just, there's so many. I mean, yeah. I, because of, and I, I was, I, I found that really interesting reading about going to the lace making studio. Oh, yeah. That pro- um, I mean, was there anything from, I mean, I'm sure there was, but from that experience of, you know, actually seeing it being made and being like that process that sort of, like that you learned that maybe changed the way you thought about some of these pieces or ideas for other pieces? Mostly what um, I, which I already knew just from reading, but I didn't Uh really see it, really see what it meant until I got to that um, atelier, lace atelier in the middle of nowhere in Southern France, Uh in Magalas. And it was, first of all, I had to, kind of strip all my romantic notions of what a lace atelier was because this was basically a concrete hut. Oh, wow. You know, it was like like a prefab concrete hut. And all the ladies, these older ladies, came with their, you know, their pillow, their little lace bobbin pillows, all the things they needed to make their, and they would set up in a circle. And what you understand, so there was something not as romantic about it, but also something very much about doing this solitary activity in a, in adjacent to other people doing a solitary mm-hmm. activity. So this adjacency of, mm. um, of being involved in a similar but different task at the same time under one roof. So there is a kind of energy in that, in this kind yeah. of not, everyone it's quiet, you just, hear the bobbins these wooden (laughs) bobbins clicking and and, you know there's every now and then some talk but it takes so much concentration and focus you can't really talk you can't really have small talk (laughs) i mean you can have a little but it's not like you can like wildly chat because you're and because you're doing these actions crossing and twisting and it's so precise but the other thing is just the labor of it and there's like they spend they would have these little like bookmarks or these little projects they're doing that would take them years to finish. <laughs> wow. So it, it's a kind of focus and um, devotion that, yeah. was, that was really, that's what I got from it. Like even on the most, on this kind of smallest level that this was big, this was right. big. Well, not... Just hearing that description and the, the that feel there feels like a very kind of direct connection to playing music in certain ways. Well, and I was going to say being an <laughs> being an avant garde musician. Yeah, I mean that's um, and just this idea of adjacency and you know you're so concentrated and the uh, you know obviously if you're playing in an ensemble that there's more interaction possibly probably but. Even that's kind of an interesting idea idea to me of just, yeah, uh, that's, 
So it's it. yeah, yeah, it's like a, a way of like cal like calculating or understanding a kind of um nonverbal energy yeah. that is shared in a in a room as yeah. a result of this activity that everyone is engaged in. Yeah, I mean I think that's yeah, that it's like a direct line to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um well I, I just and I think it's interesting just thinking of I I love thinking about connections between music and sound and different practices of, you know, whether it's making lace or it's landscapes or it's, right. you know, and so this just brings a lot of things together in my mind that I'm, like I said, I'm just kind of endlessly fascinated by it. I, the action cards to kind of go back to that. I just, um, so there's 24 of them, right? right. I think is that I all of them, I, or, or is I, that? I keep, they keep changing. I was okay. like, why didn't I? And I look at that in like the index. It's all of them. I was like, why didn't I yeah. just make enough so it's like a perfect square? <laughs> like, why does it? Couldn't it be like 25 or 26, whatever it would take? Right. Anyway, um, I might throw in, you know. I might add a couple more just so it feels like more like a complete set. But yeah, there's something it's 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 gone between 23 and 26. Okay. But yeah. And uh, on on the on the record we only do 16, I think. We don't do all of them. Right. Yeah, I was going to say there was uh, and again, it was I just enjoyed like the piece comes on and then you pull up that card and Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was really Great. I mean, I made that with Willie, who's was a colleague of mine and now friend from Mills. He's this extraordinary, extraordinary percussionist. And we did it during COVID so that when it was recorded, I was basically on a stool on stage on a computer, <laughs> like giving him instructions and giving, you know, like like analyzing performances. And but we spent a lot of time rehearsing online, like during that whole like for six months working right. on them. Um, well, you kind of, I'm, and, and maybe you don't want to get too far into this, but you did mention the, the challenges, let's say. Yeah. I mean, the challenges were, um, it's just interesting. I mean, I had, um, I was working with two designers on the project, like trans. Okay. I guess this is interesting because I'm not a visual artist, but Mm -hmm. I was working with materials and putting things down or or making these scores that required like making them, (laughs) you know, I wasn't printing out a score from Sibelius. Right. Right. I was, I was literally like, it was like being in kindergarten with paste (laughs) and scissors and paper, you know, Uh there. And of course I have to say, I love that. Yeah. And even when I was teaching at Mills, I'd always often get my students, I would just put like colored pencils and scores down and have them do things with them. But so I I am inclined to this kind of kindergarten behavior. Uh-huh. But, you know, but then when it came time to um, translate those kind of scrappy versions that I had made into something that was a little bit going to be a little bit for everyone to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I was intrigued by uh, like working with graphic designer and cleaning them up. You know what I mean? Right, and then, right. then a lot, we did use a lot of the original ones 
But then, like, for instance, I didn't know about archival glue. So a lot of the glue turned yellow or brown. You know, like, they're just things yeah. I didn't know. Right. You know, why would I know? I'm learning something right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the end, everything, it wasn't just like, oh, we'll take what you have and we'll digitize it and we'll, and we'll, you know, lay it out on yeah. a page and it'll be beautiful. No, it was like, oh, and then do you photograph them or do you scan them? Scanning them was hard because as you notice that lace is not flat. Yep. So <laughs> that means that they it wouldn't lie flat on a scanner. So that means photographing was the way to go. But oh, every yeah. every step of the way we came we came up with a problem. Let's just put it that way. But it was like how to get the card, a live version of a card to look right as a PDF. Yeah. And it took Photoshop and it took scanning them and that not working. And then it took photographing them that not working. And then it took someone that was really good at Photoshop fixing it, you know, like, (laughs) so there was all that. And then, um, I don't know if you read the booklet, but the, Booklet was really because I've had I I don't really have a lot of writing about what I do or what I've Mm -hmm. done. So I really wanted to include me in conversation. Yes. And um, that was for me. Jen Joy was a great choice because she's someone that I knew from the dance world. Mm, And she was, you know, so she had written books on on choreography um, and had seen my work in the dance world. And so she, and I felt like somehow when people see my work in the dance world, that's, that's not really revealed in the music world, they're seeing something more intimate about what I do. And I know mm-hmm. that sounds a little crazy, but so I really, I really trusted her brain and her sensibility to be the one to do this conversation. Um, so, but it took a long time to get that. Right. right. Like a lot of editing and back and forth. Right. And, and how do you want to, what's the tone? And so that took a long time. And then finally, the boxes that the whole project comes in. Like I, we only made, we're only making a hundred of these because that's right. really all I could afford, which is so tiny. And it was very hard to find a company that would only make a hundred boxes. Sure. Right. So we did find one in England and, great they're gonna do a hundred and it was really crazy expensive but okay we're gonna do it and then they came back with the prototypes and there was some like they gave us back 12 prototypes that were pristinely packaged in a box and there were some slight adjustment that had to be done in the printing but no problem this is great 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 and then when they delivered the final hundred that I guess had been fabricated mm-hmm. in Pakistan, the boxes that they came, you could just tell by the outside box that mm. the boxes were totally smashed. Uh. And then when you open up the package, the box, the like the these LP boxes had just been like thrown in. But uh. also then, so most of them, like I would say 70% were smashed to the point that they couldn't be used. Then a lot, then there was like really dirty printing, like the inside it's white, the outside it's black, the inside often had gouges or dirt in it. And I was able to remove wow. some of the dirt. I mean, right. me, yeah, without like, 
breaking my heart any more than is already broken from this. Let's just say that I was like, okay, something's going on here, but we came up with this other solution, which I love too, which is riveting lace onto these LP boxes. So now they're going to be a lot of different kinds of boxes. And and, um, before the end of the month, I'm going to be in heavy, like, like, making all the boxes and putting all the all of them together so that's my that's kind of my last that's, task yeah the picture that of the the white box with the it just it's really striking and it really and it's it's kind of like each box is its, its own score in a way. yeah yeah i mean each box it now it's gonna be i'm i, I felt a little bit demoralized but then i was sure. like there, it's just something about this i just have to accept and and I'll get a hundred boxes made by hook or by crook. And by June 30th, it will all be out the door. So, yeah, but it was, it's interesting to do something. I mean, it was very ambitious to do it. I've never mm-hmm. done anything like this. And, um, but I'm really, really happy with it in, in the end. Yeah. That's the, I mean, that's the important part. It's yeah. it, at least you can come away from it feeling like, okay, we, I, it, it happened and it's, this beautiful thing rather yeah. than walking away from being like, Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> we're exactly. never doing that again. Um, although you may be feeling like I'm never doing that again, but <laughs> that's a separate, it'll be, um, you know, not exactly like this. Right. Yeah. This was, yeah. this was a little, it was a little, it's a little nutty. I have to yeah. say. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes though, it's good to get a little nutty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess the, just the last thing is, and you mentioned it a little bit, but what, what is next for the lace project? Yeah, so now I'm immersed, even though I said it was over. <laughs> now I I really wanted to revisit the the some of the ideas from Stitchamithia, which had been this collaborative project with Nadia, but mm-hmm. sadly Stitchamithia turned out to be a COVID casualty ah. because we premiered in Europe. We had two wonderful shows one at the Pompidou Center and one at the in Paris and one at the Soralvis, which is this fabulous museum in Porto. So we did those and then we were slated to do um more shows. And of course then that ended. And then by the time things opened up again, somehow the like the, the momentum of the project really got lost. Yeah. So but I I really wanted to um, do a solo version where I would revisit some of the information from that project and do it as a solo, do it in solo format, but, um, but you make max patches yeah. that somehow are, are an interface between me and the, the pattern. That's really interesting. So. And one thing that's important to say about all of it is, uh-huh. um, uh, that for me, the fundamental thing about the, this whole project is deals with patterning and like morphing from morphing from one pattern to another, mm-hmm. and um, and just how 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 patterning and sound can be iterated. So there's mm-hmm. something about this like repetition but not repetition like like things that are that sound the same that are changing over time on and also and also about shape so i am curious 
you know, I I never played on any of right. except except for the Shetland Lace pieces, which was a real trio project. I'm really curious to kind of tackle this one last time, I must say, um, in this new solo version. So that I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm really I'm I look forward to hearing how that turns out yeah um, yeah so um, that's like one of my summer projects and i'll have my first like i'll do like a first performance of it at the end of december and then i have a bunch of performances next year so i i want to do it i want to perform it i want to really perform it a lot before i record it so yeah yeah um well zina thank you so much i hope everybody checks out the project because it's it's wonderful and it's there's just there's so much there and um, yeah, just thanks for talking to me about it. You bet. Thanks for, thanks for um, asking. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And we'll be in touch. Yes. All right. Once again, I just want to say thank you to Zena Parkins for taking the time and for talking to me about the Lace Project and the history of it and the future of it and all of that. And um, it's it's one of the one of my favorite things that I've heard, learned about everything this year. So huge recommendation. And of course, just listen to Zena Parkins. Everybody's life is a little bit better when you listen to some Zena Parkins. That's it for today. Hop on over to FoxyDigitalist.zone. There's always great stuff to read over there and listen to. Um, holler at me on Twitter at FoxyDigitalist, Instagram Foxy.Digitalist, or sign up for the Patreon. That'd be amazing. Support the cause. Have some fun. Get some cool stuff. Patreon.com slash FoxyDigitalist. Thank you again for listening. Appreciate y'all. Until next time, see ya.